Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. We have three elections coming up before the year's end. The Centers for Disease Control urges election authorities to allow, when possible, options that would reduce long lines and in-person voting. Now, Missouri's election law, not surprisingly, doesn't directly to refer to pandemics. It does allow voters to cast an absentee ballot if they're confined due to sickness or incapacitated. So does that apply to people who are confined because they're afraid of sickness, afraid of the coronavirus? Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft has said he will defer to local election authorities on that question. And as it turns out, they read the law differently. St. Louis County says yes, fear of the coronavirus is good enough to vote absentee. Jackson County says no. Over the past few days, St. Louis Public Radio reporters Jason Rosenbaum, Kayla Drake, and Lindsay Toller conducted interviews with people across the St. Louis area. They wanted to get a sense of their anxieties leading up to the November election, and many people told them they were afraid to vote in person. My biggest concern actually right now, besides the pandemic, is, is, is voting and voter protection. But I think it is important that we create additional uh, vote-at-home opportunities, as it's called. And not just for the 2020 election, but permanently. It would make me nervous to wait in a a line at the voting place. And, you know, especially since I imagine they're going to probably cut them down so that we don't have as many places to vote. So they're going to try to pack us all in into, you know, closer and closer. What is the integrity of the voting process if you vote absentee ballot. Uh, How do I know that my vote is going to eventually be counted? Or could it be thrown out on some technicality? There's no no testing for everybody. There's no antibody testing. And if that doesn't improve, the best situation to ensure fair elections would be to have mail-in voting But everybody's going to go stand in line and and interact with these poll workers who tend to be older, retired Americans, all to do something that could be done by mail. It it just defies common sense on every basic level. And we just heard from Joan Lipkin, Reed Radcliffe, Madonna Laws Lowell, Sandy Diamond, and Lynn Weber. And joining us today to discuss this issue is Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. Uh, Secretary Ashcroft, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. Great to be on. So you've deferred to local election authorities on the question of absentee ballots for people who are afraid of getting coronavirus. Well, uh, Why is that? What I've said is that... Um, It is not for the Secretary of State's office to determine what a law means. That's for the judiciary. We have three branches of government. We have the executive, the legislative, and the judiciary. And the judiciary, the courts are supposed to say what the law is. The legislature is supposed to decide what it will be. And the executive is supposed to enforce it. And when I have talked to local election officials, what I've said is the plain language, if you just read the language of that law, It is for people that are themselves sick. There is no mention of someone that is scared of becoming sick. Um, And therefore, I have to read it just the way it's it's written, the way it was passed and signed by the governor, in which case it would not apply to a fear of the coronavirus. It's it's, it's, it's not um, quite appropriate to say that I haven't given them guidance. What I've told them is you have to follow the plain reading of the law. So you Um, feel like that St. Louis County is incorrect in its reading. Well, I would say that um, 
we under our form of government the plain language of the law is 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 what you're supposed to follow and if you disagree with that if you think that um that is somehow is a wrong interpretation of the law, you go to courts to decide that. Mm-hmm. And so we are now going to court. I mean, the ACLU of Missouri is, is forcing the issue. And part of what they're saying is that different election authorities um, are coming up with different ways to read this plain uh, letter, letter of the law. It sounds like they're not seeing it quite so plainly as it translates across these 100 different... Well, I, I, I'm not sure I would say that they don't see it that plainly. Maybe they just want to do it in a different manner. I mean, the ACLU has been pushing for uh, no excuse absentee for mail-in elections, and they see a global pandemic and people that are suffering as a crisis that they can put to use for their political ambitions. Well, and, and I, you know, I will concede your point in that I think a lot of people want to read the law this way because they're hearing from so many people who are really scared about this. You know, when we announced that we were talking to you today, we just got a flood of emails and a flood of phone calls from people who are saying, I'm afraid to go vote in person. What would you say to people who feel that way? Well, first of all, I'm I'm not a medical expert. Uh, you're not. I'm not a Dr. Fauci. Um, I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn last night even. Um, but <laughs> but the point of an election is it's really a logistics exercise. It's getting people to a ballot, giving them time to vote that however they want, and then tabulating those. Um, and whether or not you're doing it in a pandemic or not, it's a logistical exercise. But when you have uh, the COVID-19, you just have to take into account what the experts are telling us about how to safely go about our daily business and do and implement that with regard to an election. So, you know, one of the things that I think everybody has heard about is the debacle of what happened in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, People are and, very concerned about that. We, we heard from a number of them. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure that I could use the, the words I'd like to, to use to refer to how they did elections on there on a family radio station. Um, the problem there, though, wasn't, you know, if, 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 if there was no COVID-19 and, and we did what they did in Milwaukee and took essentially 180 polling places and scrunched it down to four, mm-hmm. there would be problems. So that how do you? That was a mistake to reduce the polling places like that. That you, I can't yeah. imagine what they were thinking. The local election authorities have a duty and a responsibility to make sure that they have an appropriate number of polling places. And sadly, I cannot order them to do anything. I don't have any legal authority over them. They are duly elected election officials on their own. But I will tell you that we have been pushing out to them. You can't be reducing polling places because then you're cramming people together. When the governor, uh, maybe it's two weeks ago, maybe it's three weeks ago, now it's been a little hectic, uh, put out his uh, order that uh, public schools would not meet in their building for the rest of the year, we sent out an email to election authorities and said, uh, here are your polling places. They're ADA compliant. They have good parking lots. Everybody knows where schools are. Schools are spread out. There won't be anybody in them before you go there. There won't be anybody in there after you go there. So we don't have to worry about cross-contamination from people that use the building because they used it two months prior, so there wouldn't be any concerns with that. Let's go ahead and identify those polling places um, so that we can then know what our locations are, and plan how we not only have in-person, but uh, have people uh, spread out when they do that, how we can have curbside voting, how we can go ahead. We have uh, clerks that are going to implement drive-through voting like we have drive-through testing. But the first and foremost thing was make sure we have locations we need 
get them out of assisted living facilities. I, I, uh, two weeks ago, I was talking to election authorities, and they were still planning on using assisted living facilities. And I said, that's crazy. Yeah, you that's, a, that's that. a very bad idea right now. Um, I mean, I mean, that's not a partisan thing. That's a just, no, don't do that. Um, so, I mean, that sort of planning we've been pushing, but also we've been working to make sure that, that we have uh, protective equipment for poll workers, that we have uh, hand sanitizer, that we have masks, that we have the appropriate signage, that we have things to, to, to separate people apart. And we, and we are going to have those? I mean, by the time of this next election that has to go down in, in June, do you believe you'll have enough personal protective equipment in place that poll workers can be protected? We will have protective equipment for poll workers that they will be that they will protect. I mean, we're not going to have N95 masks. Right. If we can find those, we're sending those to hospitals. Right. Um, nothing against poll workers. I love them. And when you go vote, please thank your poll worker. They work long hours. They don't get paid very much money, um, but they work to make sure that everyone else can exercise their right to vote. So it's extremely important. Um, we've also looked at. You know, but yes, we've been working on. We, we were talking about this before the presidential preference primary, mm-hmm. uh, which happened in March. And how do we make sure? And what we're really concerned about—not that we're overlooking the June election—but um, we're really concerned about November. Yeah, that's obviously going to bring out many more people. Um, well, and does it mean there's a resurgence of COVID, or do we have a bad flu season? Right. You know, I mean, that's the time of year when we're worried about, hey, maybe it's going to come back even harder. So we are looking at, you know, in our June election, sadly, this is not a good thing, although it's kind of good for for this year. We're probably having expectation that we're going to have very low turnout. Probably, I mean, 10 to 20 percent is what you have in municipal elections. And generally, it's a lot closer to 10, unfortunately, than 20. But that gives us a great opportunity to plan out how we want to run a general election in November, do it in, in well, this time June, normally it would be April, and then replicate that in August, refining it if, as necessary as we jump up to maybe 30 to 40% turnout so that we have a plan that we know works. We've had it work in two prior elections that we're ready to roll out. We've trained poll workers. Our voters understand how it works. We've been able to get information and, and public news out to people so that come November when we're, you know, fingers crossed, maybe we could actually break 60% turnout. Mm-hmm. Probably won't, but I'd love it if we did. Um, that we're ready for that. Well, look, I mean, let's go back to this Wisconsin question. We both agree that the way they handled that was extremely problematic. But my understanding is the reason they reduced the number of polling places is because they couldn't get as many poll workers to turn out. I mean, poll workers tend to be elderly, and they may not want to to be in the middle of this. Are you worried you're going to have a hard time, even with some personal protective equipment? You know, What happened in Wisconsin was the election authorities were not talking to each other. Um, and, and to be honest, I didn't follow Wisconsin at the time because I was focused on what we were going to be doing in Missouri. But if you go back and read that, they weren't talking to each other. We were already discussing how do we get extra poll workers, do we call out the National Guard to help with that for the presidential preference primary. If you remember in Wisconsin, the governor said, no, it's going to be on the same date. Then like three days before the election, he said, no, we're going to move it um, in uh, in, 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 in Milwaukee, the, the, the individual that was in charge of the election had never talked to the governor about finding other poll workers. You had uh, elected officials that were turning away poll workers because they said, well, I don't want to train new people. Okay. So you feel like that's a problem that you have been thinking about, you're planning, you're going to be ready. That's not going to be an wow. issue here. We have been uh, cussing and discussing this 
situation and all the potential permutations we can think of with local election officials uh, since before the presidential preference primary. I mean, this is one of the things that I've really tried to push as Secretary of State is this idea that the Secretary of State's office has to work with election authorities, and election authorities need to work with us. Neither of them are subservient to the other. I don't work for them technically. They don't work for me. But we need to work together to make sure we have good elections. We've had... I don't know. There's several weeks in the last couple of months we've had three or four calls with election authorities on the same day. Okay, what about this? What about this? I, I, I'm afraid that by the time the June elections come, uh, the election authorities will not want to answer my emails anymore. <laughs> they will be we, sick of you. <laughs> well, and, 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 and under the law, the June elections are municipal elections. Right. Um, all of the elections are run by local election authorities. I have very little, if any, authority over most elections, and I have even less over municipal elections. So they're probably going to get annoyed with us. But we are sending out at least weekly emails saying, okay, where are your polling places? How are you doing on poll workers? What exactly do you need for equipment? We expect to be sending out, I don't know, between 4 and $5 million worth of federal grant money in the next week. Uh, along with suggestions. Not only have, have we been working to get that federal money ready to be dispersed, but we've been looking at potential things that we think the election authorities might want to spend it on to protect poll workers and to protect uh, and voters. We've been, we've been talking to equipment manufacturers about what they've been doing. We've been talking about how do we deal with the concern of a pen. It's a simple part of voting, but if you're going to use a pen to mark a paper ballot, how do we make sure that pen is not either contaminated or cross-contaminated or used to contaminate someone? And, mm-hmm. and can we go to the disposable route? Can we just have a bucket of them? You pick one and you use it, and then you drop it in the bucket. And how do we, we've been having those discussions for months. Now, we haven't talked a whole lot about specifics because there were stops and starts on, say, getting hand sanitizer, or we can get the hand sanitizer, but then we've got to find uh, containers to put it in, or how do we get it transported in time? And I didn't want to come out and say, hey, we've got this, until we had it. Hmm. Um, because we've seen that happen with states, with other PPE. They think they have a, oh, we saw it happen in Missouri. But, but now they, you've they got it. Money. I mean, you're, you're feeling we, like this is are, ready. To, you're announcing this on the air. You've got this covered. We are confident that we're going to be provided the materials to, to, to keep our poll workers safe. And, I, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's something that has never happened. Mm-hmm. This doesn't happen. It, it has never happened before in Missouri because this is for a municipal election. The state doesn't pay for municipal elections. We don't really provide equipment for municipal elections. But in this instance, it's the right thing to do. So we got an email from one of our listeners, and I want to pose this to you because this is something that I am hearing from a lot of Democrats, and I want to give you a chance to respond to this. Uh, Maureen Jordan writes, we now know that there are 19 new COVID-19 infections in those who voted in person in Wisconsin. The CDC has also warned of a second wave in the fall. We also know that President Trump said that if the United States switched to all-male voting, quote, you never have a Republican elected in this country again. The GOP Speaker of the House in Georgia, David Ralston, said an all-male election would be, quote, extremely devastating to Republicans. And so Missourians know that you're willing to risk our health to help Republicans win. Why do you think we would believe any other reason? What's your response to that? Well, first of all, the law does not allow us to go to a mail-in election. You really believe the law is, is, is clear on this? This is the plain language, as you say. It's very clear. The law says that you can only have a mail-in election under certain procedures. Um, And one of those is that the uh, ability to vote is predicated on property ownership. 
And I am not going to say that we should only let people vote in our elections that own property. And I hope you would agree that we shouldn't do that. Well, yeah, um, I'm, w- I'm with you on that. <laughs> um, so, and, 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 you know, look, I, I am both an attorney and an elected official. I'm also an engineer, which is a good side, but I think it's counterbalanced by the other two. I understand people saying, I'm not necessarily going to trust right off the top what, they, what that individual says. They can go look at the Missouri Revised Statutes. Mm-hmm. The election code is in Section 115. You can see exactly uh, what is required. You know, when, you, when it goes to uh, absentee ballots and exactly persons eligible for a- to vote absentee, that's 115.277. That's on the Internet. Most people can get that uh, on their phone. Do you wish it it said differently? I mean, are you secretly rooting for the ACLU to win here so that people could cast absentee ballots, even if it's different than your interpretation of this law? You know, A, I have local election authorities that their greatest fear is that somehow the election would be an all-male election in their county because they're not ready for that. Hmm. Um, If you talk to Secretary Wyman of of Washington, uh, if you talk to the former Secretary of State of Colorado, um, both have mail-in voting, and and talk about what they went through to implement mail-in voting, it was a nightmare. Hmm. And... um, if it is the will of the legislature and the governor signs off to implement mail-in voting, this office will implement it. But I'd really rather implement that in some small turnout elections and not in a presidential general election year. You feel like that um, could lead to all sorts of, of other problems. Well, it would. Then you, ha- you know, then how do you verify whose ballot it was? How do you th- then you get into lawsuits about signature verification? Um, if you vote uh, by mail, you don't have the same second chance rights that someone does if they vote in person. You know, if you vote in person, uh, we have equipment that'll beep if you overvote your ballot. So you have you can say, well, did you do you want to check your ballot again or not? You get that second chance. You don't get that if you're mailing your ballot. If you if you if you go in in person and vote, you get. I love to slide my ballot through the scanner and hear it go through because I know it's done. If you send it to U.S. Mail, well, there's a really high percentage chance it'll be done, but you don't have that same certainty. The the most secure and uh, safe way to do elections where people know that their ballot counts and is part of the tabulation and the tabulation is accurate is for people to go vote in person where they're assigned on election day. And in Missouri, by what, 11 o'clock at night, pretty much every time, you know who won. And it, it, it kind of closes the election and people can have faith in it. We don't have problems like we've seen in uh, Arizona and Georgia and Florida and other places where they're finding ballots a day later, two days later, three days later, oh, they're still counting, and people are saying, wait a minute, I thought so-and-so won. We need to do things that give people confidence in our election process, and we ought to do the best job we can. And you talk to any sort of expert on elections, they'll tell you that in person is the best way to do it. It also, frankly, mail-in balloting is good for incumbents. So I guess I ought to like it for that. For that <laughs> Could help for you, that right? <laughs> um, whenever you let people vote early, which you have happened with mail-in ballots, you have people that are voting before the challengers generally have the ability to get their message out. Hmm. Incumbents generally have the ability to have free media. They generally have more money. They have better name recognition. Um, and, I, you know, it's just if you want to have the freest, fairest, most... Um, at least nonpartisan administration of an election, 
the best way to have that is you have an assigned day when everybody goes and votes. They go vote at their polling place not too late in the night. They know what happened, and you're done with it. Well, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime. I, uh, some of the best things we've been able to do in this office are, are because someone we've, we've met around the state has said, what about this? And we've had to say, hey, that's a good idea. Well, we will talk more and we'll certainly follow up with you as we get closer to this November election and as the ACLU lawsuit continues. So, so thank you for sharing your time with us today. Thanks. Have a great day. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.